you're listening to Make It, a podcast by Bonsai Creative that helps creatives in film get where they're going faster by sharing the advice, knowledge, and insights of professional creatives across the film industry. I'm your host, Chris Barkley, and with me today is my good friend and Make It podcast co-host, Nicholas Bugs. Chris here with another episode of the Make It Podcast, and this is an Indie Talk Week, and that means I have my good friend and co-founder with me, Nicholas Bugs. Nick, say hello. Hello. Just leave it at that. Hello. <laughs> Happy Labor Day, man. What is Labor Day? <laughs> <laughs> No, it's 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 a uh, it's the barbecue day, right? Or the barbecue weekend. It's like July Fourth, you know. It's like it, it, Memorial Day, you know. It's like it, just another one of those. Hey, let's get get together as a family and friends. I guess now it's a little bit different because we're still in COVID world, right? So it's maybe not as many people, but uh, yeah. I, I, but a barbecue I'll, must occur at I, some point around this day. I think it started with with death and not barbecue. So I, I want to say that the it was Grover Cleveland. So like late 1800s. I believe it happened either during his administration or after his administration. Could have been after because something happened where some workers were forced to go uh, back into a mine or back into a working situation. I can't remember what it was at great peril and like 40 of them died, maybe more. And then from there they were like, "Mm -mm. these guys, (laughs) these guys need to have at least one day off. Like, and that was late. I think that's labor. I really think I'm getting all the details. I told you, I don't know what it is, but I think, I think that is the general gist of labor day. And then we have made it into this thing where we barbecue because it's like the national PTO day. It's like the national yeah, yeah, yeah. day off. And I did, I did, I smoked uh chicken today and I grilled. I, I, I did this brine. So uh, lots of herbs, salt, pepper, sugar, honey. I had a, just a hint. It sounds nasty, but it's not a hint of raspberry uh, vinegar into the okay. brine. I threw some chicken thighs in there, saran wrapped that bad boy, put it in the fridge, let it brine, took it out, put it in the smoker, on the Traeger. Then I mixed some Sweet Baby Ray's barbecue sauce. Oh, with, sweet baby Ray. That's what sweet baby Ray. <laughs> yeah, and then and then uh, I like Stubbs too. I yeah, like him. Stubbs is good. Stubbs is good. He looks like my grandfather. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> so there's this little chipotle honey you can buy. It's a chipotle honey sauce, and I put uh, a I'd say probably a twenty to one mix of maybe ten to one mix of of I know that's a big difference between twenty and ten, but. It's, I can't remember now. Hmm. I think it was like a 10 to one mix of Sweet Baby Ray's to that honey. This is hot honey. So when you taste it, it gets to the back of your throat. You're like, what did I do? Uh, 
<laughs> so I mixed it all up and I, I called it, you know, Chrissy's hot chicken. And I basted that sauce all over that chicken, let it smoke for an hour. Unbelievable. Very good. I like it. I the rest it. of it was just standard grilling. So chicken sausage, hamburgers, hot dogs. I baked some macaroni and cheese. Well, I didn't, but I participated. Uh, grilled some vegetables. Did some veggie burgers as well for those who don't get down with the cow. And that I'm a master at. Fat patties, a little salt at the end, butter. You melt over the top, laid the cheese on top there. Let that melt in. Deli slices, never use Kraft. That's bullshit. Vermont cheddar, American. <laughs> it was wonderful. So we had a bunch of people over and, and as, as, well. as we do, yeah, uh, this, well. this, this is this is my 15th uh, Delta variant party. And we're just mug. My goal is just to get us to herd immunity, Nick. One party, one party, one party at a time. Yeah, and I see that. It was a it was a great afternoon. I Good. I spoke about. Did you grill? Did you make it happen today? Oh, so so today wasn't the grilling day. The grilling day was primarily Saturday. Mm-hmm. You know, so we did we did that on Saturday, and yeah, there's lots of chicken. Being did you grill because there was Saturday, ribs. or did you grill because this is Labor Day it's weekend, Labor Day. and you have to have people over, and you have to grill, like you have to eat and drink, right? That's the thing. It's like, and you have to do a lot of it with a lot of people. It's just the rules, right? <laughs> and then the other thing you have to do is you got to shop, you know, yeah. at least a little bit, right? Because yeah, someone's going to give you some sort of exactly like oh, fifty percent off because it's Labor Day. That's <laughs> Awesome. You know, like, so yeah, we're going to over, <laughs> overwork the workers on Labor Day. Uh, but yeah, it's my uh, birthday just passed. It has to happen. And Adidas keeps sending me an email saying, hey, Chris, don't forget that your 15% off gift. That's right. Yeah, like, Adidas, yeah. I'm not spending any money on you. This isn't a gift. The gift is from me to you. You're right, exactly. When I buy your shoes for 15% off. That's right. The gift would be, hey, Chris, don't forget to claim your free pair of sneakers. Right. We have awesome. some Yeezys set aside for you in 12 and a half. Don't forget right. to claim just it. for your birthday. Don't just forget for to claim birthday. it. Just for your birthday. Yeah. Don't forget to claim it. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. It's okay. It's okay. They try. It is. It is, it is okay. And uh, I'm glad. I'm glad you got to cook out. I'm glad uh, we had some fun this weekend. I think it was it wasn't that we ever take time off because we're always working, but uh, yeah. but to, but to spend that time is is great. And we've had a lot of great interviews come out. Very excited. Very proud of those conversations and so many more on the way. And it's been a while since we've done an indie talk, and a lot has happened uh, in the industry uh, around. Uh, whether it be streaming studios, release dates, theater, all the different platforms that exist now and types of platforms are finding these new platform names. But we wanted today to start by going back to basics. And one of the things that jumped out to us was this uh, pull from the Hollywood Reporter that really speaks to something that we've talked about probably from day one on Indie Talks. 
And so I'm just going to read from it. This is from The Hollywood Reporter. Not only did Ryan Reynolds produce and star in Free Guy, but he also devised an intense marketing plan, which kept the film in people's sights even after it got delayed several times. Reynolds shot about 75 pieces of marketing content for Free Guy in an effort to set a variety of tones that could match the news cycle at that time. Ryan uh, Reynolds said, it's more opportunity for storytelling, more opportunity to play with culture and mess with expectation. And this is incredible because I think the assumption is, Nick, that Ryan Reynolds doesn't have to do this and that this is a studio film. The money's in the bank. Let somebody else take it. And I think that the interesting thing for me, at least, you know, I'll say this. I I won't project what you think. But for me, I read that and I say, this is proof positive that the thesis that independent filmmakers and producers have about the way movies work and are sold is incorrect. And that the assumptions are wrong. And the assumption is, I'll make the film. Someone else will do the business and the marketing. Yeah. Or the film is strong enough to stand on its own without the business branding and marketing. Yeah. Right. It's going to be so good. Right. They're going to love it so much that it doesn't matter. Right. And it's, it's interesting, you know, with Ryan Reynolds, it's like, he's, he's trying to keep it on people's, minds right keep it in their hearts keep it on their tongues right like to get them talking about it yeah so that there's a groundswell of people coming to see it because he knows just as well as we do there's so much content out there right like yeah they people love ryan reynolds more than they're gonna love the indie filmmaker that's out there right there's celebrity and there's all that and people might go see it because of the celebrity or his individual following but he knows that he has a huge following, but I don't know how many of these TikTok stars and Instagrammers and YouTube stars have followings, if you look at the numbers, that are similar to or greater than his own. Yeah. Right. So he's not just competing with the folks in the studio, right? With the studio, um, the big studios making movies. He's not just competing with the theaters, he's competing with all of that content out there. So he knows that he's got to step up his game and do the thing, like you said, that we've been advocating for indie filmmakers to do forever, right? Which is make that content, put it out there on social, let people know that you're out there, get them involved and invested in the work that you're doing right? so that they'll actually come out and see your stuff. Yeah, and it speaks to this idea that that we have about our own work and how we want people to accept our work because I hear that all the time and, and you, you likely do as well. This idea that, okay, my film is about this important thing and I'm going to market in this really smart way because this is what the culture wants. So there's, there's this big assumption, there's this big thesis that, the culture wants more narrative storytelling. 
I don't know if that's true. Yeah, I don't know if that's true either. Yep. <laughs> uh, because when you, you talked about following like TikTok and Instagram, all this stuff. So when you go to their list of top celebrities, people who have the most followers, when you see who those people are, you come to realize that the follow culture or the culture that exists writ large is one of access to naked people for better, for better or worse. That is our culture. That is what it is. And that is, seems to be the only thing left that is exciting people on a regular basis, violence, sex, and glamour. So I won't call it money, but I'll call it the glamour that money can buy. So uh, some site that only shows you half a million dollar sports cars, some site that only shows you the craziest real estate, uh, some site that brands, right? Balenciaga, Prada, Gucci, right. uh, Patek Philippe. Like, so they, they're showing you things that you can't get. <laughs> like that's the, yeah. that's the culture. So we, we hurt ourselves when we say, okay, I don't need to market to like, that's not really what it is. What it really is, is people want to hear my storytelling and that on its own, because the desire from the communities and, and, and the culture is so strong for that, that no marketing and branding is needed. Like we don't have to do anything else. The film is going to kill at the festivals. People are going to love it. It's going to become word of mouth and all that stuff. And I'm sorry, but that assumption and, and that thesis could be incorrect. Well, it, <laughs> you say it could be, and, and I think I'm just going to, you know, step out and be like, it is right. Yeah, I, yeah. I think that there's, <laughs> you know, yeah. there's a combination of things. I mean, because we've seen this and heard it right. And, in, in, uh, at multiple stages of our societal change over the past several months and several years, right. It's like, there was a time I just got, um, we are the world <laughs> in my head. As soon as I said, there the was a time. When's the last time you've heard we are the world? <laughs> Two days ago, bro. Two okay. days ago. I legit played it here's, for my kids. Here's what this stands <laughs> out to me. There's there's one person that's really saying it on that. Maybe two. Wait, wait, wait. Everybody else is kind of just, oh, just kind of slow um, walking through the verses. Bruce Springsteen, bro. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's getting it. He's yeah. getting it. <laughs> <laughs> well, he right. always sing, he always sings so rough. I mean, he's like he does. <laughs> no, but it's, it's it's raspy though, man. He, he, <laughs> he gets it. So yeah, anybody listening needs to listen to We Are the World and listen to Bruce Springsteen. So there were these different times in our, like I said, societal change where one was you know female empowerment, right? I mean that's still. You know, an in topic, but there was a time, especially around, um, you know, when Wonder Woman, the first one came out, it was big. Right. And that we would hear that from people all the time. It's like, well, why are you making this film? Well, it's because people want to hear 
about, you know, women-centric, female-centric topics. They want to hear from, you know, female filmmakers. And then it was, okay, Black Lives Matter. People really want to hear black stories. And they want to hear from black, black filmmakers. Exactly. Oh, don't get me started. I'm going to jump on your black voices in a second. <laughs> so the next one that popped up was like, you know, Asian-Americans, right? Well, people want Asian stories right now. So I'm going to do Asian stories. It's like, no, man, that's not what people want. One, if there's a I had some friends, I got to jump in here because I had some friends that grew up in my neighborhood that were white, but their voice was black, black voices. <laughs> right. There you go. So go ahead. <laughs> Eminem. So, yeah. So, <laughs> so, so they, so people keep saying like, that's what people want. That's what people want. It's like, no, 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 no. It's not that that's what people want right now. There might be an opening, right. And it might yeah. be a short period. But they also want it from people that they know and they respect. They want the industry to allow those voices, right? Which and who are those voices? Well, industry voices. Yeah. They want to hear, you know, the top producers and executive producers and directors and actors in industry. They want to give them a chance, right? No one is looking for you, indie, right? Unless you are then going to someone who has a platform that needs you to help them with that platform, right? right? So that's the thing. No, not, it's not the people, this general people want this right now and this is what's hot. No, that's not true. So that, yeah, I'm, like I said, I'm, with, I'm just saying flat well, out. I want to go back to Ryan yeah. Reynolds and what he yeah. did, these 75 videos, because we did something similar, similar to this on adult interference with uh, Ted Welch, who was the yep, lead actor. Sure. And he shot these vignettes and we pushed it out and marketed it a little bit, but the whole team wasn't on board. And that was kind of the, a big problem. And I think that the team and Ted, along with us, decided to do it probably a little too late. That should have been something yeah. that we did in pre-production. So it's a lesson learned, grow from it, get better, do it next time. But it is the point is, is that Ryan Reynolds, as big as he is and is sort of well established as he is still went out and shot these 75 pieces of content. And the one thing that independent filmmakers have and it, I would say as an advantage over studio or industry films is they do have that friend that has a really great camera and they do have that friend that's just chilling with that camera. Yep. And and that will come and meet them at a coffee shop and write some things out and work some stuff out and will work for the love of you as a creative. Whereas, you know, if I am Ryan Reynolds, I might have a friend that, that wants to shoot with me, but I also might need to pay that person because I'm Ryan Reynolds. Like because well, that, of and he I doesn't am. necessarily own the movie. Right. right. So there might be a, a set of permissions and different folks that you got to go through in order to publicize that content. So, yeah, it's a potentially different um, than the independent you know, filmmaker world. Right. So if you're an indie and you're making a film or a TV show or a series, web series, whatever it may be. You have to think about the world as it could be, not the world as it is and get really creative around you know, what is the right way to sell this movie? How should I be selling this movie? What extra can I do? Because it's all on me. This is my baby. This, it's all on me. I want to put it together, figure out how many pieces of content I could create, uh, 
of a different variety, just like Hollywood Reporter yep. said, that I can push out into the world and really have a solid effort to try to sell my work versus whatever that other alternative is. Because the thing that amazes me about this is there's this assumption that the way that the big boys and girls do it in industry and in Hollywood is that they just make the film and they have executives and creatives and these teams all around them that do all that stuff for them. No, it doesn't have to be that way. It could be that way. And it comes at a, an incredible expense called P and a that's like 35% of your budget. But as an indie, this is a great thing. Like you see that and say, okay, I can do that too. I can view the world in my world as it could be, not as it is, right? Like that old parable about cutting the butt off of a turkey at Thanksgiving and the kid doesn't know why the mothers keep doing that. And because kid, it was the right. Right. Yeah. And they go all the way back to the great grandma and the great grandma says, well, the reason we do that is because we didn't have a pan big enough to fit the whole turkey. Right. So you find out that the conditions have changed and we see behavior has not behavior is not. And we see this sort of all around us all the time. And some filmmakers are doing a great job of that. Like they're shooting with their iPhones, like their iPhone 12. That's where, okay, my behavior is going to change because the tools of the game have changed. Like how, how would I, instead of saying, this is what my film school taught me, to do like, this is the triage of filmmaking. How would you create something with the resources that you have? If no one taught you to do it, that is where the innovation lives. That is where the lowering of budget lives. That is where the great sales ideas live and marketing and branding ideas live. It's by erasing what you've been taught and what you think, you know, and going out and saying, well, this is the way I had to make this work. And someone's like, yeah. what did you do again? <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that, you know, like I said, in, in addition to the innovation, right, which should come with, you know, filmmaking and the things, the products and the social, the branding, the marketing. Really, for me, it's just remember that you're in competition. I mean, that's what right. it is. And, and, and it may not be that you're in competition with someone uh, for quality or story, right? That'll come later. But the first thing is you're in competition for eyes, mm-hmm. right? Like someone needs to know to go click on your thing because right. there's so much content, right? Like right. how do I go if, if I'm in TikTok, that's where I spend, you know, 95% of my social day. How do I know to go to your film? You know, if I'm on IG or Twitter or Facebook or LinkedIn or wherever it is, right? Like, how do I know about the things that you're creating if you don't exist in those worlds, right? And you only exist in a festival, which most people don't go to, right? Filmmakers go to festivals. Yeah. (laughs) Right? That's who goes. You're not going to get that opportunity. It's like you're preaching to the choir and... Yeah. It's, it's, it's about, but remember the choir is trying to be on the, on, you know, <laughs> the preacher as well. That's basically what it is. Like, yeah. So how are you going to compete in that world? If you're not getting your voice out there beyond just the other filmmakers. And, and it ends up being 
a marketing and branding game in general. I had a friend ask me the other day, do I drink energy drinks? And I said, "Eh, I'm more of a coffee person, but you know, I don't really drink them that often, but I mean, I'll have one. And he said, well, how do you know which one to drink? And I said, well, you know, the energy drink game is, is a marketing game, a marketing and branding game where they select a segment of society and sell to that segment because there's nothing new under the sun. The, the jig is up. It's a, it's the bloodiest of red oceans and it all works the same. It's, you know, it, it gives you energy. It has sugar. It has caffeine, caffeine, (laughs) right? So if you're Red Bull, you have completely dominated the X Games crowd. If you're a skateboarder, if you ride a bike, if you snowboard, you're probably going to drink a Red Bull. If you're Bang Energy, you have owned the party going crowd. Yeah, college the, age. The, the college age, the all nighters. Yeah. If you're for our energy, you have completely dominated the office worker that crashes at 3 p.m. and wants something in a shot form that isn't the coffee that they've had all day long. And so you go down the list of energy drinks and it's all the same. What you find out is that every drink has to have a thematic purpose and has to have a why that's really bold and in your face so that, you know, this is the energy drink for you or you. That's and right. that's what we have to do as independent filmmakers. We have to make that thematic purpose and that why very obvious so I know what you're making and I know it's for me. That's, that's, that's the key. Anyway, I want to move on to this next topic because it's, it is kind of related this, this sort of marriage between tech and media that's going on right now and the convergence of those two and largely what we see now, I, I you know, there are people who will s- still soft pitch it and say, well, you know, the battle between the studios and Netflix and no, it's, it's over. It's over. It's been over. Netflix won. Everyone copied Netflix. They're going to win too. It's, it, it reminds me of gas cars versus electric cars. So any car maker pushing their chips into the center of the table on combustible engines have are fools and they have already lost and they will be obsolete soon. Uh, it, it is the Model T replacing the horse. It is all that stuff. So right now, the technologists have have stolen Hollywood. Tech has stolen Hollywood. Uh, whether it be SVOD platforms, fast platforms, which is like Pluto TV, where they really just brought cable to your desktop, to your OTT box, right? right. They just oh, you cut the cord. Okay, well, we'll follow you over here. We'll bring all of our ad revenue with with us and we'll just give you novel content. And instead of you having to uh, partner with some evil cable company that you hate, that that is price gouging you and price fixing you, uh, we will provide this service through whatever device you like, whether it be a Roku, Apple TV, a PlayStation, Xbox, etc., uh, there's VMVPD, so virtual multi-channel video programming, uh, those types of distributions, so YouTube Live, Hulu Live, and that is all technology-based. So that's the distribution point. So the distribution point now is completely digital, completely tech. It's a world of coders and engineers. 
And then when you look at the creation side, now it doesn't hasn't necessarily leaked down and seeped down into indie yet. But if you look at studio work, that is highly technical now. So from visual effects to to audio engineering uh, to to many many other facets of actually putting a tentpole movie together, you know you wonder how much of that is actually done live and how much of that is done in a in a studio. That's when you see the credits roll and there are ten thousand people in the movie, you know that this has become a technical job. Right. So yeah. I just, yeah, that's true. The, the, uh, and I, you know, what are the implications of it? It's almost like instead of, I think like on indie talks from let's say a year ago, we would say, Hey, stop collaborating with your cousin and go find somebody that can really do that job well, and then try to make a team with them. No mercenaries, et cetera. Like our, our, our deepest philosophy. But now we might take that in a different direction and say, maybe you should find, a technical partner, Nick, to, to build your film with. Yeah. Project. I think the, yeah. When you, we talk about cutting the cord, you know, I kind of think about it like it's, we just switched the cord, right? The cord <laughs> is just different now. So it's like what cutting the cord for a lot of people actually means is, you know, device agnosticism, mm-hmm. right? So the, what, what did cable do? Cable said that I had to watch it on my TV, right? What does streaming do? It meant that I could watch it on any device that had access to the internet, right? It's still the same kind of content. You can still do advertising or not advertising. You can still record and DVR. It's all the same stuff. So it's like, if you talk about going like the next step, like where we are, it's not even where we're going. It's, it's like, are you working with people, a team that thinks about device agnosticism? Yeah. Right. So are you still in this world of filmmaking where you want to be seen in a the theater? Like, is that still important to you? Well, that's the problem. Nick. The problem is, is that the film industry has these two worlds trying to work together, but they're really pulling and pushing against each other. You have these old antiquated systems of distribution and and contracting through unions, theaters studio systems, whatever it might be. And then on the other hand, you have NFTs and smart contracts and where it's really going. And they're pushing yeah. and pulling against each other. And they're yeah, trying well, to I work together, but they're continue, not they're not really compatible, are they? Yeah, well, when people continue to make content in the old way, then people will continue to find ways to monetize it. Right. And I think that's why, you know, we, we say it all the time. That's why some of the independent filmmakers are failing to, you know, reach their idea of success, right? Because you have a lot of distributors that'll just take their stuff, right? And it's, it's again, it's not a fault of the distributor, but it's like, hey, yeah, we've got a model that's going to work for your thing that you only wanted people to see in a theater, right? Mm-hmm. We'll take it, we'll push it out to the other platforms that are out there because you're not getting a theatrical release and we'll release your movie, right? right? Like that's, that's what they, and that's, that, there's a model for that, but is it a model for success? You know, possibly not, right? Possibly you're not, not, yeah. Right, because you're not thinking about who you're, like you said, who is your audience and then how do they consume content, right? And, so, and, and how do you direct content to that audience? Again, there you go. Yep. how would you do this if you weren't taught this antiquated model of how to do it? Like if you were just plopped on this planet with project in hand 
so you know nothing, how would you actually do it? That's an interesting question to ask yourself as you approach some services deal through Betamax that pushes all your content out to all these places where it gets lost in the ocean of content that that are part of these companies' slates. You might not do that because the technology exists right now for you to literally have a technical partner build you a distribution point. Sheila Andreen right. at IndieFlix did that. Yep. And, and that's the thing is like, you know, when you say technical partner, you know, this is someone who understands the technology of the platforms that exist for getting your content out there. I mean, one of them could be TikTok. It could be YouTube. It could be Vimeo Pro, right? It could be a lot of different things. Um, it could be your own website that has a paywall, yep. you know, depending on how you want to do it. But that's the idea. It's like getting that understanding that you have to, one, like you said, tell people about your stuff and then two, provide it in a place where those specific people want to consume that type of content. So like, you got to be thinking about this. And again, having that technical partner helps you to actually execute, or at least they can tell you where to go, where not to go, right? They can say, hey, I know this distributor is interested in you, but they only do stuff on this type of platform. That's not really the platform for your audience. So even though they sound like they're a good option and they're, they're, you know, giving you a good game here. That's not where to go, right? You want to go to the place that's, you know, the, the technology platform that is more suited to the type of content and the audience that you're working with. Yeah. I almost think if I'm producing a film or a show, or web series, whatever it may be, short film, maybe not a short film, but if I'm in development for a piece of content work I want to do, and I'm a producer, I feel like my first three partners should be, the storyteller, so a writer or director or both. A lot of times in any film, that person is the same person. Mm-hmm. If not a writer and a director, but some storyteller, a technical person, a coder, essentially, or developer. And then the third person would be someone who is a social media expert, platform expert. So not not like us, uh, like the, or when I say us, I mean the general public where we're all on Instagram, posting a picture, checking for likes the next day, uh, having a caption when you really, I I got a chance to be around a a social media master, uh, within the last two weeks. And when I sat with her and understood what she understood, it's it's a, absolutely a job that is a six figure job in my opinion, because they bring incredible value. They know what you don't know. They're fast. They understand what the platform's good at and bad at. They can use it in novel ways that you haven't thought of because you don't know, you haven't spent a hundred hours in the settings to figure out how each setting can be manipulated to your advantage. So if I'm a producer, give me somebody who's a social media expert that has let's say proven experience in, in growing brands, give me a storyteller and give me someone who can develop or code. And when I have that in development, I know I'm going to be able to create a story around my brand, a theme around my brand. I'm going to be able to have distribution points that are novel and I'm going to be able to execute upon those novel distribution points in a way that is unique and powerful because of that social media person's expertise. So to me, that's the new stack. That's yeah, the new talent remember, stack. Yeah, I remember for us, I think that, well, I think the other part, it's like that, maybe that fourth person, really, you know, that 
is the branding person, mm-hmm. right? Because that branding person is the one who's creating the imagery, right? And the emotion, right? How you want to connect to your content that is then sold through the creator, the writer, sold through social media, and then sold by the person who's doing the digital work on on that side too, right? The coding and development. And I think that's another huge piece, you know, for me that I think you add to it. But this just goes back to, again, you know, one of our kind of our talking points forever and will be forever for indie filmmakers is that this is the type of stuff that you do up front. This is the type of stuff that you budget for, right? You, you need to have this in your budget, that social media, that branding, you know, the people who are doing the digital artwork, these folks who are technically savvy, that goes in the budget. Right. Right. Well, well, I, you know, historically, <laughs> the producer's first instinct, Nick, is to go find another producer. Right. Like, let me go find somebody I can share the work with, share the leadership with. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. In the contracting, let me go find a line producer who can make me a mm-hmm. budget. That's, and you still need a line producer, but, but if, if you didn't know you needed a line producer, you might not start there is my point. Today, if you looked around at what's working, you might start with that stack that I just talked about. And then later down in pre-production, add your line producer. A lot of times it's like, well, let me get a line producer, an extra producer or two, and let me find my first attachment. No. 2022... Hashtag 2022, <laughs> right? <laughs> that that you know, talent stack gets you social media expert, technical person that codes and develops. Gets you the the storyteller, obviously the person that created the the thing you're actually trying to develop as a producer. And yeah, if you can have a branding specialist there that can create the brand that you create the pieces, the marketing pieces around that you feed to that social media person, that that social media person then feeds through the distribution point of your technical, then to me, you're going to be golden because remember the reason Ryan Reynolds did what he did before, just to not to take us backwards, but, (laughs) but the reason he did that was because free guy kept getting delayed. Delayed. Yep. So he had to keep the movie relevant through COVID delays. And that's what was so cool about it is that he didn't just create a bunch of free guy content, right? He made it relevant to what was happening at the time due to the delays, right? I mean, a lot of things change. I mean, you get delayed six months, the world is different six months later. Conversation has changed. You don't want old stale content. He's creating new content for the new conversation based off of the delays, which is amazing. It's that's the way that it should be done. Right. Completely agree. And speaking of amazing, this conversation has been amazing, Nick. I definitely have enjoyed it. Always, man. Always. And I just, I gotta, you know, I don't know if this, this is just a little shout out, but tonight I would say before this call, I was sipping on a little bit of gin. Okay. Okay. What brand? And I aviation aviation. Oh, Yes, yes, yes. Lord, from, Lord from, Ryan Reynolds. from our friend Ryan Reynolds. I have a That's bottle right. here as well. Yep. Uh, do you do anything with the gin? Are you are you putting pine, uh, like a what's that lemon grapefruit? That lemon no, grapefruit no. juice is so good in it. Oh my god. No, with his I do or, like or a, a grapefruit lime. Of, I do a little bit of ginger ale. Mm-hmm. Right. That actually adds a little bubbly to the gin. Yeah. And then you know I usually like I'll float an ice cube or two in it. Right. So you do that with the ginger ale, you get enough of that, the bouquet of the gin, 
right? You don't want anything overwhelming it. Yes. Not for the bouquet, the gin, nice little drink. I, I'm with you. I've been doing grapefruit and lime juice, which you can buy at the liquor store now yep. and mixing that with Gilliam's gin, great okay. gin, but Hendrix is always a perfect standby. Absolutely in love with a mass a M a S S. And to me, gin is the bourbon of the white liquors. So, <laughs> uh, a mass also has a, a lovely non-alcoholic gin, peach flavored, unbelievable. Yeah. So shout out to the folks in at a mass in LA. They're doing great things, but yeah, the botanist Gilliam's Hendrix, can't aviation. go wrong. Can't go wrong aviation. with aviation as well. Aviation's yep. wonderful, and you mix that with this this grapefruit and lime juice, and it is a party. I mean, there's some other ingredients too, but in general, that's the two things. When you mix those together, you don't even know you're drinking. That's why it's so dangerous. Yeah. And I'll just tell you this: with that, with the grapefruit, lime, one of the and gin, one of the first things I think of is a little bit of cayenne pepper. Mm. What you do is you put ginger beer. That's where you get the yeah. bite. So yeah. if you add, so that third ingredient is ginger, a little bit of ginger, and yeah. that gives you the same kind of cayenne bite. So yeah, very, very good. I had many of those today, sort of like a, <laughs> had some mojitos like like today. Many, <laughs> I've had many of those today. You oh, know. <laughs> yeah, I, I did. I did. And I've, I've had to actually just make a pot of coffee just to like get back into the game <laughs> at around yep. six o'clock today, which is a big no-no for me because it means I'm not going to go to sleep. But Yeah. Good stuff. Good call. Excellent. Excellent. And, uh, you know, a little gin wrong with that. Helps the conversation. Helps us keep it rolling. That's right. That's uh, right. It's I, just a little oil. That's all it is. Had I not drank so much earlier today, joints. I would have had something to drink. But I'm drinking a nice little cup of uh, Four Sigmatic oh, yeah, Lion's Mane yeah. <laughs> Elixir Tea. Very good. So this isn't the, the coffee. This isn't the coffee powder, the mushroom. Yep. Uh, this is the elixir, and it is delicious. You can put honey in it, uh, but you don't need to do that. It is good just by itself. Hot water, powder, spoon it up, mix it, drink it, and your brain is sharp, and you're good to go, and it tastes good as well. So anyhow, <laughs> wonderful conversation, <laughs> per usual. And yep. uh, we need to tell people how to get in touch with us, of course. Uh, if you're out there listening, there are, are lots of ways to do it. First and foremost, www.bonsai.film. The site just continues to grow, Nick, yep. thanks to you. The site just continues to get better and better and better. You can find ways to work with us there. You can read our Industry Insights blog. Uh, you can find every episode of the Make It podcast, including these indie talks. And you can even become a true fan when you go on the site and contribute to the podcast contributions start as low as five dollars so this is like the right. cost of a dirty chai <laughs> at starbucks so yeah. you can support what we're doing here as as we try our best to support you and bring you the information that matters and bring you value uh, you can also reach out to us on social media so instagram twitter we are at underscore bonsai creative feel free to dm us leave us comments we will respond to it we respond to every comment very proud of this. There is we we respond to every comment that's ever made and every DM that is sent. So keep those coming on Facebook. You can just search for Bonsai Creative and we will come right up. And then uh, if you want to reach out to me directly, 
You can find me best on Twitter at Flame in Your Heart, or you can just search for Christopher Barkley and I will come right up. If you want to reach out to Nick, you can email him at Nick, that's N-I-C-K, at bonsai.film. And last but certainly not least, if you want to reach out to us with comments, questions, concerns of a larger nature or longer nature, contact at bonsai.film. So C-O-N-T-A-C-T at bonsai.film. And do not forget to go to Apple Podcasts if you're an iPhone user and rate us five stars. It means a lot. It means that our guests, your peers, those indie filmmakers out there will get their voice heard much more easily through those. And look, if you, if you do the five star thing, I've done this, it takes maybe five seconds. If you want to do the comment thing, like the review, the written review, that takes an additional minute, but all in all click five stars, that's satisfactory. If you want to leave a review, the total commitment is about, is around 60 seconds. So it would mean the world to us if you did that. Um, there are other platforms where you can rate us as well. If you're not an iPhone user, you're not listening on Apple Podcasts. Uh, we are uh, big on Spotify. So if you're on Spotify, feel free to rate us on there. Leave a comment as well. iHeartRadio, the same. So, uh, oh, and Amazon Prime. I mean, if you're on Amazon Prime, they have millions and millions of users across the globe. Find us on there. Make it podcast. Rate and review means the world to us for you to do that. So with that, Nick. Again, massive mouthful of information. Uh, leave us with the uh, credo, if you will. Yeah, man. I, just, I was going to say just before that, I was going to say that we're like a, a good credit card, man. We're everywhere you want to be, you know? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> but, you know, again, here at Bonsai Creative, we say, you know, be better, be creative, be engaged. And thank you for listening. Nick, talk to you soon. Yes, sir. We'll do it again. All right. Get some sleep. Talk to you soon. Yeah, man. You too. Take it easy. Bye. You've been listening to the Make It Podcast. To find out more information about this week's topics, including links to relevant blog posts, projects, and indie creatives, please visit our website at www.bonsai.film. If you haven't already, you can join our podcast community on Apple Podcasts or the podcast app of your choice by searching for Make It Bonsai Creative and the show will pop right up. You now have the opportunity to support the production of this podcast. If you love Make It and are a true fan of what we're trying to accomplish in the indie film community, please visit www.bonsai.film and click Contribute. Contributions start at only $5 monthly. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at underscore Bonsai Creative and on Facebook by searching for Bonsai Creative. You can provide feedback to us via email at contact at bonsai.film and you can follow me, Chris, on Twitter at Flaming Your Heart. That's F-L-A-M-E-I-N-U-R-H-E-A-R-T. And of course, if you're looking to take a big step towards your filmmaking success, Go to www.bonsai.film and click on services to explore a variety of offerings from keynotes and panels to pitch readiness assessments and so much more. You have everything to gain. Until next time, be better, be creative, be engaged, 
and thank you for listening.